This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc hello everyone welcome to slash home daily for monday december 19th 2022 on today's episode we're going to discuss the avatar the way of water box office and have a spoiler discussion about that james cameron sequel this is slash home editorial director peter soretta and joining me on today's podcast is slash home news writer and box office analyst ryan scott hey, hey everyone how's it going so ryan uh actually before we get into it i want to say that i have construction going on at my condo uh my patio is being torn apart as we speak. So if you hear some like hammering and stuff in the background, there's literally no way to avoid this. And it's going to be like this for a couple of weeks. So I apologize if you hear any, any distraction in the background and um, yeah. Okay. Let's jump into it. So uh, the, one of the biggest movies of the year came out this weekend or came out, I guess, Thursday avatar, the way of water. This is a movie that's been over a decade in the making it's a, a sequel if you haven't heard of it then i don't know what you're doing listening to this podcast but uh so i guess you know a lot of people have been second guessing this movie a lot of people are you know avatar doesn't have any cultural relevance no one's gonna want to see the sequel you know is this fad uh the movie we came had a out. very large discussion about that earlier this year where several months ago we were sort of long-term prognosticating about <laughs> what kind of money. And I was hesitant to make any predictions at that time because it's a pretty unprecedented thing. But yeah, this has been, this has been a big to- topic of discussion for a long time. So it, it, it's really curious because they've already shot a third film. Uh, yeah. It's, by some, shot Cameron's, it's like is, 90% done or something. It's very close to done. Yeah. Uh, although shot is a, a weird thing term that i'm not sure if it means anything 
into the in a world of a movie called Avatar because like a lot of that is like performance capture and then like most of it's like CG after the fact. So like what point of <laughs> in in the production cycle actually are we? I don't know. But uh, yes, I think the performances have mostly been captured. Uh, but anyways, okay, let's get into it. Uh, how how well did this movie do at the box office, Brian? Well. I guess it's worth some context for people that don't follow this. Like a lot of people sort of offhand might know that the original Avatar is the highest grossing movie of all time. A, a, a feat it technically accomplished twice uh, in its original run. And then it was briefly passed by Avengers Endgame only for Avatar to through a couple of re-releases once again regain the crown. Uh, the movie, the original movie sits at $2.92 billion worldwide. Uh, it And... Who knows, through various other re-releases, it still has a potential chance of becoming the only $3 billion movie in history. So uh, this to say, it, you know, there were big expectations on, on the sequel. And the other thing to note before getting into the numbers here is that the original Avatar came out in 2009, a full 13 years ago. It was a very, very, very different time. Uh, this was right around the time that China was starting to truly embrace Hollywood releases, um, Avatar was largely the movie that kind of pushed uh, uh, Hollywood to pursue China a little further. Um, and uh, it, it didn't make all that much in its original, you know, it made like $77 million on its opening weekend, but then it dropped almost nothing its following weekend and topped the box office for seven weeks. So, like, it, it had a very unconventional journey to becoming that number one highest grossing movie. But a lot has changed. We're 13 years later, we're in a post-pandemic world, so comparing these numbers to the original avatar, it's going to be tough out of the gate. I just wanted to set the stage a bit before we get into it. Sure. Sure. Um, but anyway, all right, so let's get into it. Uh, avatar, the way of water, uh, opened, uh, to a $134 million domestic. And, uh, and the, 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 the finals came in uh, actually a few minutes ago. So internationally it did slightly better than, than, uh, the, the previous reports had put it. Um, so it is at uh, 307.6 million internationally, which gives it a 441.6 million dollar worldwide opening, uh, second to only Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness um, in terms of 2022 openings, uh, global openings so far. But that's global. Um, there have been several much bigger domestic openings, including Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Um, and, uh, you know, Black Panther Wakanda forever, but some of those movies suffered huge drops in their second weekend, you know, so, so there's, a, so, you know, there, there's, there's, you know, there, there, there's some room there for interpretation, but, uh, but that's the raw number, um, for, for a global opening. Now, to be clear, before we talk about anything else, <laughs> that is a massive, massive, massive number, particularly international showing huge there you know, well over the domestic. So, there's, you know, and the big thing is this movie did get a release in China. A lot of recent blockbusters have not. Um, it, it is doing okay in China, but the problem is COVID is a bigger problem in China right now it, uh, again. So the numbers are hampered a bit. Um, but, but, you know, that, that, that before discussing anything else, the raw number is huge. And for almost any other movie, there would be endless bottles of champagne being popped at a studio. <laughs> there may be a couple of caveats here, but I even say maybe because we don't know. Okay, well, something I think you haven't brought up yet is the budget of this film. And, and that's something that we don't actually know 
the real well, number, but we well, do know what James Cameron said. James well, Cameron said that this movie needs to be in the top five of all time to make money. Is that what he said? Did he specifically say five? Because I know he just said what I recall him saying was that he straight up said in an interview that it needs to be one of the highest grossing movies of all time to turn a profit. Because he, he even jokingly said it was like a bad business decision. And, and you know, be, because the first one was tremendously expensive. The first one was over 200, well over 200 million, which is why Fox sort of wavered on greenlighting it originally. Um, but Cameron spent a lot more on this one. Um, over the weekend, Deadline reported that the budget was 460 million before marketing, which would make it by far the most expensive movie ever made. By the way, that that's crazy because I feel like the previous estimate was three fifty to four fifty, and that was after marketing. No, that was not right? after marketing. Or that was a, okay. no, that was not after marketing. Um, because I because I, I was I was obsessively trying to figure out what the budget. Okay, was. Okay, maybe like, that was before marketing, but still, three. Some people thought it was three fifty like a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and now, like, it, well, we're now up to four sixty before well, marketing. I think the thing is that like obviously Disney's never just going to tell us what it was. Um, and so people are sort of getting, but okay, even uh, the difference between 350 and 460 is, is uh, <laughs> like, I mean, 350 still makes it easily one of the most expensive movies ever made. Um, well, let, let's do the quick math here. This is like the quick nod in the scientific math. Uh, you know, the exhibitors take about 50% in the end of a movie like this, probably even more because it might have legs. Yeah, right? and and look, more and... but let's go rough math. The rough math is usually that you say the exhibitor takes 50% of the overall ticket sales. Yeah. And so about 50% gets back to the studio. This is very rough math. But uh, yeah, okay, fine. So let's say. Uh, so let's so say. If, if a movie costs after marketing, if, if it was 460 and then you had to market it, you had to spend like another 150 or 200, you're at like you're, 600, you would be at 650. 600. 600 to 650 because i would say with a global marketing spend because the thing is you had to pay to advertise this in china you had to market it hard and you know so i would say you couldn't you couldn't you probably spent bare minimum 150 to market it but so so, let's just, so then let's, you double that number because you need to make double that to right recoup that investment so now you're at like 1300 or i mean well sorry 1.3 billion dollars yeah, that's kind of the number that in my head I've been pegging it at, uh, which would be like what more or less what The Last Jedi made, like what Star Wars The Last Jedi made, which Star Wars The Last Jedi currently the 16th highest grossing movie of all time. Um, so, you know, I've been I've been sort of saying that, like, that's maybe the number maybe you need to aim for to to but but to to green light a movie. Even this movie in the current theatrical marketplace and saying it needs to be a one point three billion dollar earner for us before we can even start talking profit. Yeah. You know, that's that's crazy. But I have a lot more to say about that because this is like a long play here. Um, and I do think based on these early numbers, it does have a shot to hit that one point three billion. It absolutely does. It has an A cinema score. Uh, premium formats accounted for 62 percent of the domestic ticket sales you know, meaning you're selling much more expensive tickets. Um, you have not another gigantic blockbuster hitting theaters until Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania in February. This movie has almost two months of runway. Um, so yeah, it can probably top the box office for seven weeks like the original did. That's more of a comment on the current marketplace rather than, 
you know, but, but, but yeah, I mean, it's good timing. That's why, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home did something similar last year because you had it roll into January where there's very little competition, you know, plus a good movie, plus, plus, plus. So this movie has every good indicator going for it. The only thing I keep harping on is if that budget really is $460 million, you know, and and Cameron's more or less said it is. He didn't say that that was the specific figure, but he straight up said it needs to do, you know, so, so that's my big, my, my big thing is just, you know, green lighting a movie that needs to be that become one of the highest grossing movies of all time just to touch profit is is a bit crazy to me but if any movie justifies it i guess it's the highest grossing movie of all time i also wonder and i know we'll never get the numbers but i wonder how do you budget these two films because it was filmed back to back with avatar 3 and i i'm guessing a significant amount of money was spent on creating the technology to film underwater with this performance capture stuff like so is that like divided up against both of those films or is that divided up for this film because it was technically created for this film is going to be reused for the third do you know what i mean like- yeah no that that's the big question and, and that's something that people have kind of started postulating about and i would imagine that the budget for this one is going to be front-loaded where like a lot of that sort of like production cost and development was sort of weighted on this movie's budget so that avatar 3 will in theory be cheaper probably still a 250 300 million dollar movie but like cheaper, <laughs> cheaper which is still asinine but like so so i you know that's really the that's really the bigger question because that movie being as done as it is disney's pretty much obligated to release it at this point like unless this movie had just absolutely opened disastrously you know avatar 3 was always going to get released but as yeah. we know cameron has plans for avatar 4 and avatar 5 as well so the really big question is whether or not you know how far do we go because Cameron has said they could wrap it up at three if they had to. So my question is, you know, there's no way this movie. I mean, let's just be very clear. There is a universe in which this movie could maybe get to two billion, which would be insanely great. There's no universe in which it gets near three billion. And, you know, is this a case of, you know, <laughs> does that then increase demand for Avatar three because it will be coming out, you know, in just a couple of years or like did all that 13 years of pent up interest sort of get caught up here? And then does avatar three see a decline? You know, that's where, so avatar three is going to be the real determining factor here. And it, there's just so much to, to pick apart with this. Yeah. I think the thing here is usually when you have an opening weekend, you usually do the multiplier, right? Usually apply the math and you go like, you know, if this is movies uh, getting really high buzz then maybe it could be what a three times multiplier yeah three times for a blockbuster three times is considered great you know like like really great and like 2.5 i think this the multipliers are one of those areas where like in my box office research i'm not as great at um uh, in terms of like my overall like knowledge base of it and stuff but but yeah like i think 2.5 2.5 is kind of the number yeah. you want to you, you're comfortable seeing because like we just discussed right if your ticket sales if your overall box office if you see 50 percent of that return to the studio well in theory if you can get to two and a half times you know like that then you can potentially see some profit right so like you know it's it that's kind of the number but but um so those multipliers would put it at 1.1 billion or 1.3 billion if you go to three times uh yeah which puts it right at the line of like breaking even right which is you know that's why i think that but again you're looking at no competition 
Um, and you're looking the, at James Cameron. You look he, at his track record in in movies that he's directed. In almost, you know, you look at Titanic. You look at uh, Avatar One. The legs on these movies, like it's not. It's one of those things that's like off the scientific. Like when, when you when you're doing your math for these box office things, it's you can't equate the, no. the James Cameron component. So one thing I think is that you need to look at only two movies really during the course of the pandemic have made the kind of money that Avatar needs to make. And that would be Spider-Man No Way Home, Top Gun Maverick. And I think Top Gun Maverick is maybe the best comp because you're looking at a movie that, you know, was a many years later sequel to a beloved classic. Uh, Top Gun Maverick made $126 million on its opening weekend, but then it eventually legged out through good word of mouth. Um, you know, great holds to $1.48 billion worldwide. So there's absolutely a path for Avatar. I'm going to be curious. I, 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 I think a lot of people are commenting on, you know, the opening weekend box office, and I, I really feel like the second weekend box office for this film is going to tell us a lot more. Yeah, for me, it's more weekend. like weekend three, weekend four, once you get past yeah. the holidays, right? Because you're heading into Christmas and New Year's, both taking place on a weekend, kids out of school, no other major competition. You you definitely have some runway there, but like, you know, what what happens in, you know, that first weekend in January when there's still no big movies, but, you know, everyone's back in school, this and that, does it then see a plunge? You know, these are the things that I sort of look at. And then again, this is a global play and not just a domestic play. So what happens in these global markets? Can China hold well in the coming weeks or does it fall off a cliff in China? And then you sort of maybe lose you know, some money that you were maybe counting on, you know, these are things that are, these are questions that are going to linger and we're not going to have answers to for several weeks. Yeah. Well, I, we will be talking about this for weeks for sure. Um, and, uh, on this podcast and on the site, uh, we're going to get into our spoiler discussion of avatar, the way of water, but, uh, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc okay now we're back uh if you have not seen avatar the way of water we are going to have a spoiler discussion and you might want to tune out now and uh, go go see it I would, I would highly recommend you go go see it in the theater on a big screen in 3D, uh, which I guess brings me to my first question before we even get to like what you thought, Ryan. How did you watch this movie? Like what format? Uh, just just your good old fashioned 2D because 3D gives me a headache. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, no, but also I've never been a fan of 3D movies. Like I feel like I don't know. I don't think movies are rides, right? Like it should like it should sort of stand on its own. Um, 
And, See, I'm uh, not even like the biggest 3D person. I'm like, but I feel like this movie was made like. You have to, in my mind, you need to see the movie the way the filmmaker intended. And I feel like a lot of those 3D movies that were crappy were because the filmmaker didn't give a crap and they were just post-converting it. I feel like this, I don't know. I wish you had seen it in 3D. No, but I wouldn't have. I wouldn't know. Even if I didn't get, I don't like 3D movies. Like it's not, you know, and I understand your point. Like James Cameron very much intended for this to be 3D, but I also believe that you can't, you can't, I guess you can, you can do whatever the hell you want, but like, but I don't think a movie, it needs to work both ways, right? Like maybe the 3d can bring something else to it, but it should still absolutely work as a 2d movie. Like it shouldn't, it shouldn't be one way or the other, but I guess you and I are going to be coming at this from different perspectives, which is sort of interesting. (laughs) Well, I would argue that the first avatar really doesn't work as a 2d movie. And that was a movie that I was like, so wowed at. In the yeah, theater but that, when but it then came that's out. The problem is like most people, because then you're like, you know, what what value does it have to you later? You know, like when you're watching it on streaming or watching it on Blu-ray or watching it like because, you know, like most people don't have a 3D TV and it's really not the same experience anyway. Yeah. You know, so it's like that that that's where I that that argument sort of falls apart to me, you know, and like that's where it becomes more of a theme park ride than it does a movie. Because I, like, well, you can't really have a theme park ride at home. So, you know, it's it's that I, I sort of don't love that. I get that. Um, I just think that these movies, both of these movies, both of the Avatar movies are, are so much more than just like a story being told in visuals. It's it's an immersive experience. We're going to they a, this sure other are world. more than a story because they have to be. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of the enjoyment is exploring this world and feeling like you're in this world. Uh, and anyways, OK, let's get past that. But I'm going to tell you how I watched because I watched it in two different ways. I watched it at the World not world premiere. I watched it like LA premiere, which I think was like the third or fourth premiere that they did. Uh, James Cameron didn't even make it to this premiere because he caught COVID. Yeah, COVID um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I saw it at the LA premiere at the Dolby theater. That's where they do the Oscars. And that's also, uh, you know, in Dolby vision, I think they have IMAX projectors as well there. But um, uh, so there I saw in high frame rate 3d and uh it was kind of weird, Ryan. Uh, I wish you had experienced this just so we could have a discussion about it. But what this is, is um, so if did you ever see The Hobbit when it did high frame rate? Yeah, I did. Uh, I'm, I'm not a I don't like the high frame rate stuff. And I know a lot of people don't. Um, uh, I don't really still. I mean, I kind of understand what it is, but I also don't understand why filmmakers feel the need to do it. Um, it sort of confounds me. Uh, I'm lucky. I, I, I'm. <laughs> I'm happy it hasn't really caught on. Um, I didn't see, I, I did, I, you know, I just saw 2D Avatar, so I didn't see it. Yeah. You know, the crazy high frame rate, which I'm happy I didn't because like I didn't run into some of these sort of negative things that I had seen ahead of the release were about the high frame rate stuff. And like, so luckily I didn't like run up, have to run up against that. I, I ran up against my own stuff, not to show my hand, but I didn't run up against that. <laughs> well, uh, to explain this really quickly, high frame rate looks like uh, that digital motion smoothing when you have it on TV. It looks like ultra realistic. And my get uh, my feeling when they did it for The Hobbit, I hated it. And But I think I hated it because when you do 60 frames per second to a film that has like costumes in it, feels like a fantasy world it doesn't look like fantasy it looks like people in costumes on a movie set do you know what i mean it, it feels fake 
it, it feels so real that you can you can feel the fakeness of it. Yeah, um, I just feel like our I just feel like cinema was never meant to go to that. You know what I mean? Like it just feels yeah. such, like such a crazy thing. Well, James Cameron's argument here is to combat uh, you getting sick from 3D because at high frame rate, people uh, it's a, it, there's some some science here that like because 24 frames per second have like a flicker to it. Uh, when they have big action in 3D, it makes some people sick. But if you make it at 60 frames per second or 48 frames per second, le- there's less of a chance of that. There's less um, of that flicker. Uh, so th- there's reason behind that. So anyways, uh, I saw it at Adobe in this, in this, but they're doing this new thing called variable high frame rate. And what this is, is any scene that's like not moving around, if it's like a talking scene or whatever, it's shown in 24 frames per second. Uh, but then once the action starts moving, it just cuts uh, to the high frame rate, whatever it is, 48 or 60. Uh, what this means, Ryan, is it's not like this scene was in 24, this scene was in high frame rate. It means that like there'll be a scene where there's 50 cuts back and forth between them during the scene. And uh, the other thing I've noticed about high frame rate movies is when I've seen them, like when I saw Gemini Man, uh, I was distracted by it by it for the first 10 minutes. But then once I got into the movie, I kind of got used to it. But the thing here that I felt was because it keeps on switching back and forth, I kept on like every time it would go back and forth, I would notice it because it was distracting. It's it's the opposite of what you want to have from a technology in a movie is it distracted me and made me uh, notice that, you know, visual effects, uh, music should all work together in a way that like you're never distracted. You're never notice it. And this was uh, something I noticed. Uh, That said, uh, the 3D at that premiere was incredible. Uh, Seeing the underwater stuff, insane. Uh, Then I went to see it on opening night with some friends at universal city walk in a normal theater in 3d, but not high frame rate. And I thought I was going to like this better, Ryan. And I'm, I came out of this. I don't like either of these formats because the 24 frames per second was too flickery and the 3d wasn't as, as good and it wasn't as bright. And uh, maybe that says something about the theater than, than it does the format. Uh, but uh, I kind of wish the whole movie was just in high frame rate. Which well, 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 well. If, if it I, isn't Peter trying to argue I should have seen this in 3D when he didn't like it in either presentation. I didn't, but I don't know. I wish you could see. I wish you could just walk into the theater and watch like the underwater, like when they first discovered the underwater world of Pandora in 3D and just experience at least like, you know, 10 minutes of that in, th- in the high frame rate 3D. It was incredible. Anyways, okay. Let's move on because it, 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 too much to talk about the format, but w- sure, what was your sure. brief thoughts on the movie? Um, I am note. I am noted for so I hadn't thought about Avatar in years. I didn't really care for Avatar when I saw it when it came out. It is f- expensive fern gully. I've always joked. Um, and uh, and uh, whatever, it's fine. You know, it's always baffled me that it ended up being the the highest grossing movie ever. And you know, I think about it a lot because of the movies. But anyway, so I, I, then right before Way of Water starts coming out, like the last like six months or so, all these people start coming out of the woodworks like they're, you know, like, oh, I was a huge fan of Avatar. And there was like this reassessment of, you know, the original and people really stoked about the sequel. And it just took me by surprise. And I just kind of wasn't having it or I was like, yeah, the first <laughs> one's still boring and you're all wrong. You know, like I just can't I couldn't get behind that reevaluation of the original. And 
And so I will say, having been a noted uh, critic of the original in some ways, uh, this one was better, uh, but not to the degree that, like, you know, James Cameron, the guy who made Terminator 2 and Aliens 2 are the best sequels of all time, that I'm going to put it anywhere near that list. Um, Maybe just good enough that I would go see a third one with some curiosity with the story building, but... Mm, ultimately i kind of come out of this one feeling like a grump uh given uh, that no. most, given that most people seem pretty into it uh there are things that i like about it but but i i i it 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 it, it finished out a year where blockbusters and popcorn movies are my thing that's where i live 2022 is going to go down as one of the most disappointing years i've ever had in that arena and yeah. uh it just kind of rounded out that for me like you know where I was starting to really feel the runtime and looking at my watch and being like, wait, there's still how long left, you know, <laughs> like, and then just ordering more food at the draft house because I was like, well, screw it. If I got to sit here longer. Yeah. I wonder if they make more money on like an avatar screening than they do. Oh, they must. Know, the theater, mu- the, the draft house must've made a fortune with people just sitting there realizing how much longer <laughs> they were going to be there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was kind of, I mean, that was my very loose thoughts on it. Um, that like you know it is fine, but like uh, <laughs> you know, thirteen years for that, I don't know. I'll say this: I have been a defender of the original Avatar, and I'm not even a person that like loves that story. But I do think like it's just knocking it off as like an expensive fern gully or, or Smurfs or whatever. Whatever people say, like I feel like there's a lot of interesting ideas in that film of like even like humans being able to like you know, transfer their souls into these alien bodies and then walk around in alien. It's such a crazy idea. Um, but uh, for me, I, I didn't love that movie because of the, the story. The story, I mean, is classic like myth story. Um, it's been reused over time many times before. And I don't even think it was a, a great version of that story. But what did take me was the world building. And I was just so um, uh, just obsessed with that world and like it was unlike anything we've ever seen i feel like since then in the last um decade we've seen so much bioluminescent and so much of like that glowing aesthetic and i feel like it's less unique now but um but it was unlike anything i had seen before uh so anyways so going into this i was interested but i also saw the footage at d23 expo where they showed like 15 minutes of footage uh not in any order just cut out from the film and while i was wowed at the visuals i was kind of like i don't like the story i don't know who these people are i don't know i don't know i was really concerned that i was not going to like this movie going into it ryan so uh and i gotta say this the first hour of this movie is a little rough it's a little it's a little uh, a lot of place setting a lot of introducing new characters a lot of introducing old characters that somehow are back a lot of glossing about. over 13 years worth of exposition yeah uh and uh so i don't know i was like a little worried but the last you know two hours of this movie it just totally won me over like you would well, say the last two hours i i for me that last hour or so with some stuff in the middle well, that middle hour was so boring no once you get to the water like in in 3d that that (laughs) world is so amazing so beautiful uh the the stuff with the the space whales whatever you want to call them that's the only thing i i want to watch the free willy version of that movie with palakon the whale and the kid 
And then like, I, I just, that's the one character I cared about is Palakon the whale. I'll do anything for that whale. I'll do anything for that whale. I cried multiple times during this movie, Ryan. I did not expect that I would be that emotionally uh, connected uh, in that action scene at the end. We'll, we'll talk about all that, but anyways, I don't know. I came out of it. I went and saw the movie again. I mean, for sure, I bought the tickets before I had seen it the first time, so it's not like, uh, <laughs> but I could have canceled. You know, it was AMC A-List. I could have easily just pressed the button on my phone and canceled and not gone seeing it a second time. But I'm glad I did see it a second time, and uh, my girlfriend actually wants to see it a third time. So, uh, so there you go. Uh, but okay, uh, how how do you, how do you think this compares to the first film? Again, better, um, but. Again, that first one story is important <laughs> if we're <laughs> if we're to say something basic about cinema here. And I think that first one really is like all substance or all all flash and no substance, like for the most part. Um and uh this one is definitely like has a little more substance, but I think the style, like like again, the space whales, like I connected to nothing in that first movie. Like this one, like the space whales, I'm all there for. Like I'm, I'm in on that space whale. But like, but the characters, I don't. I will say that the the way they chose to bring back Stephen Lang's character, um, I thought was interesting, and I thought his arc was kind of interesting, and his performance particularly was, I think, the best in the movie. Um, I think Stephen yeah, I think Lang Jacob said crushed. it in our in, in our Slack channel, but he was like, Stephen Lang's the only person going into these movies that understood the assignment. He knows the movie so, he's in. <laughs> and I actually kind of thought Sam Worthington did an okay job. Yeah. Um, you know, well, cause he's a guy, I just feel like it's so weird. His career didn't really do a ton in the wake of, I don't know, but that's not important right now. But, but, um, but yeah, like I, you know, but, but I just, God, that middle hour is so, it's just it, all that, that story, middle hour, like the story beats. But that's all the space story be- stuff. But the story beats of like what they're doing there, it looks good. And like, I like the space well, but it's like, what they're doing they're like oh man the family's got to learn the ways of this other family oh what wackiness is gonna happen there when these two don't get along you know like what cameron spent 13 years trying to come up with a story we've seen a thousand ways and and a thousand like there was nothing remotely new about that and and you know that's the whole middle of the movie and and you know uh, the thing that i will say that last hour the action is great it's James Cameron action and it looks awesome. It's so satisfying in a lot of ways. Although I feel like it's one of those movies that has like four false endings and you just can't get to the ending. <laughs> and like, you're just like, Holy crap. Can we get there? Can we get there? Um, you know, and, eventually and it's it James Cameron aping James, James Cameron. He's like doing his best hits of like, yeah. Titanic and alien. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and a lot of it does look, but again, it's just my own thing is even that ends up dragging to me. So like, but no, the middle, I mean, the beginning, I understand you got a lot, you got to go over, you got a lot of table setting you got to do. And I feel like they gloss over a lot of that weirdly, even though the movie's like three hours and 10 minutes. Yeah. Then the whole middle to me is just all old hat story stuff. We've seen a million times yet. We got to spend all this time doing it just to kind of get to the to the satisfying part at the end, which even ends up wearing out. It's welcome to me. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of movie. Okay. Let's talk about the convoluted returns, which I, I'm going to admit, uh, you know, getting Korich back, uh, getting Sigourney Weaver back for this. It, it's all very convoluted, but you know what, Ryan, I did not care because I enjoyed all of it. 
I don't think Quaritch's was all that convoluted given the universe. Like, that's the one thing people are like, are you kidding me? In this universe, is that that convoluted to you? Not at all. Like that, <laughs> Sigourney Weaver's kid was like, it's very, very evident to me that they're setting up a reveal in one of the later movies. Like, they're very, very evidently like, ooh, who's the dad? And like, we're going to definitely figure that out at some point. Um but yeah, like that, you know, it was kind well, of a we, weird choice. Because like at first I was wondering, the first time I saw the movie, I was like, who's the dad? Because that's going to be a thing that's either going to be revealed in this movie, which it didn't end up being revealed in this movie. There's some jokes about like uh, her having sex with that other guy that was part of yeah, the Yeah, what's that program. actor's name? The guy, man, good for him, cash uh, that check for this one. Yeah, I don't uh, remember his name. Anyways, uh, there's some jokes. I think those are just jokes. And then they never reveal it, which made me think like you know i was thinking after the fact i'm like who who could it be who would be interesting whatever and then i came to the realization i don't think she has a father i think it was an immaculate conception oh no i think that she Uh. is iwa's uh kid like i think there's like something going on there i think that you know i will if they so there i am a good movie goer like, I will laugh if something makes me laugh. I will, you know, I'll get into it if something get me, get into it. But I don't, I'm not a disrespectful moviegoer. There's been a couple of times where something happens in a movie where I, like, I become the disrespectful moviegoer because I cannot contain myself. <laughs> one of those times was in Joker when Batman's parents die. And it's, like, the one time you didn't have to do that. And I was already really not into the movie. And then when that happened, I groaned out loud to the point where like several people looked at me like where like it was like I couldn't hold it in. And I swear to you in Avatar 3, if, if, if this becomes an immaculate conception thing, I will scream <laughs> like what a ridiculous choice. Well, didn't like uh, her body. I don't know. I'd have to rewatch the first Avatar. I haven't seen it in a while. And I'm but not going to do that. I'm just not going to do that. But didn't she connect with the 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 Iwa like the, through the tree thing and whatever at the end. So maybe I saw Avatar once in 2009 and I've never rewatched it. I'm not going to watch it again. <sighs> okay. Uh, yeah. Quaritch. I, I love, I'll say this, like it was very convoluted the way he brought it back. I know you disagree, but the economy and how it's conveyed in that one scene where he learns about it from his uh, past self or his clone or his, the clone learns about it from his real self. I don't know. It's a little... Con- it's real- not that weird, like, relative to the movie. Before <laughs> Quaritch went into the final battle in the first movie, they downloaded his consciousness so that, like, if he died, they could put him inside of an avatar. In this world, that's not that weird to me. Yeah. Another thing that I thought was great economically, uh, just in storytelling-wise, is the reveal that Quaritch has a son. How it's just like the, it, it is never like actually did did they ever say it in the movie or is it just I think, I think they it's just do a cut I think well it's they just do a cut. they they never have the like weird reveal moment of like he's my son but it's very clear and I actually did like the way that that was layered in there I agree like they didn't they didn't have the like boring dramatic reveal of that and then like it sort of worked in the story but. What's weird to me is you're talking about, you're right. There was some like economy exercise there in getting through some of those things. Yet we're left with a three hour and 10 minute movie. Like, so, <laughs> so you use that economy so you can have like some longer, like self filating shots of like water, 
you know, like, like, oh, there's not enough of that. Let's put more of that, like at certain points. And it's just to me, like it gets exhausting. But but yeah, see, Ryan, like, there, that's the stuff it. I love. That That's what I love about these movies is like spending time in Pandora. And I feel like you movies couldn't, nowadays... you couldn't use 20 minutes less, 20 minutes less wouldn't have bugged you. <laughs> I don't know. It's oh, just no. like, come on. If you're going to okay, get to question... three hours and 10 minutes, you got to. I don't know. That's a long movie. You got to really. Ah. I know we feel different, but that's hard for me. Yeah. Uh, I like enjoying myself in the world, like the the world building of, of, of when a, a film really does good world building. I know that it slows down the plot in the story to like just have some time enjoying yourself in that world. But I love when, when a movie can do that. Um, a question I had coming out of this movie that no one else seemed to have or no one else I, I talked to is uh, Quartz has a son, right? Who who is his mother? Because now uh, it's established here that kids can't go into cryo, which is why he was never sent home to Earth, right? So that means he would have had to have been too young to go into uh, cryo to go from Earth to Pandora, which must mean that he was conceived and born on Pandora. Uh, and then I was thinking, could his mother appear in the sequels? Now, the actor here, I think, is like 18 or something like that. So I'm not even sure if that makes sense. How long were uh, – how long was the, the colonel on Pandora oh God, before I we see him? Doing, oh, I didn't even start doing the Pandora math there. Oh, boy. Uh, but it's uh, it's been 10 years. It takes five years to get to Earth, five years back. Uh, so he would have had to have been born before then. Uh answer here is i talked this out in our slack channel and we actually came to an answer because i was like oh could his mother appear in the sequels could this be a big reveal later on it turns out there's this comic book i think we talked about on the podcast called avatar the high ground which tells the story in between the first avatar and second avatar and it actually has an answer for this it's someone named paz socorro uh his mother was a scorpion pilot serving under Quarch, who was killed during the assault on the tree of souls in the first movie, we didn't see her in the first movie. That, that would have been good if we had seen her in the first movie, but we didn't. Uh, you don't say. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Also, I want to mention that Quartz, uh, I mean, uh, Spider is apparently the first human birth on Pandora revealed in this comic, which seems like it should be a bigger deal. It should be <laughs> something pointed out in the movie. But, but why bother? Why There was so much water to show in that three hours and 10 minutes. You couldn't possibly be bothered to drop us an important piece of information like that. Like, how could you possibly have any time to give us any important information when you could just have another long shot of the underside of a whale's stomach? So, Ryan, uh, Earth is dying. Uh, it seems like yes. now, uh, you know, As the first film. Falco told us. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the first film, Jake said that there's no green left on Earth, and then uh, in this more uh, this movie, uh, General Ardmore is her character says that Earth is dying, and they're now planning to colonize and relocate to Pandora. And uh, the, th there's actually books that tell you the story of, of Pandora and Earth, and, so, and they say that uh, the planet was ravaged by environmental devastation and warfare, and classism is rampant there. The ultra rich can afford to. I guess live forever in a way. Um, so, okay. Uh, in the first movie, when they're first in P Pandora 10 years ago, they're, they're there for the, uh, what is it? Unobtainium. 
Is that the name of the mineral? Unobtainium is the name of the, yeah, the cleverly named Unobtainium. Yeah. Uh, well, now one of the reasons they're in at Pandora is for the, the Amarita, which is this liquid that is located in the the brains of the space whales, which, um, what did you think of this whole uh, reveal? I, I don't know. I thought it was very devastating uh, to me yeah, personally. Yeah, it was that, like, super sad like super because i like the space whales but like it also i actually really liked uh what was that uh was that brett mckenzie is that who that the guy from flight of the concords who's like the the oh the, um, uh, scientist that's not brett it, mckenzie it's the other no, guy no he has a yeah the other guy jermaine uh, clement jermaine clement yes jermaine clement sorry i always get them mixed up. but yeah so it was jermaine like i really liked his character because he was so conflicted about this so let's stuff from the way they killed this whole whale just to get the stuff because it can make people essentially like stop aging and so it's like what pays for all these pandora expeditions and i'm like okay you bothered to like make that actually made sense to me like you found a way to you know and obviously like this whole thing is you know the whole undertaking of all these avatar movies is about james cameron wanting to save the earth and his environmentalist uh, and i think that's a good you know thing and so like you know this whole thing i think it was Raphael who wrote for us he had a piece that like avatar the way of water is the most expensive uh save the whales campaign ever um yeah. and like and you know that's not necessarily wrong um but yeah i thought that was devastating but also like an, an interesting like thing to incorporate in the story and it made a lot of sense and it kind of helped propel that whole third act that was by far the best part of the movie. Yeah, it, it's not always sad because you get to uh, to fall in love with these creatures, but it's also sad because, like, you think about it, and if there was a liquid that could help humans live forever, would we start if it was located in the whales on this Earth? Would would we do it? Yes. Would it be yes? Yeah, but we, there would be no whales. <laughs> Like the degree to which you would have no whales, like the how quickly there would be no whales. I know that's ins- like, that's so or the, or you would start sad. like or you would start like breeding whales, right? Like people would start like you would you would essentially save the whales so you could kill the whales. Like you would have it be like chicken farms where there would be like whale farms so we could like kill whales. Like it would or we would be cloning whales. Like there's you we would so quickly be yeah no there's no question. <sighs> Okay, uh, let's talk about Kiri, who is Sigourney Weaver's character in this. She plays. Is that her name? God, if you asked me to name any character other than Jake Sully, I couldn't even tell you. Oh, is this going to become the next thing? How everybody was saying for like ten years, like I can't even name a character in the movie. I, I, I'm telling you, I couldn't. I could. I, you, you asked me. I had to ask because I love the whale. Halicon is the one that I could name that character for you. Spider too, because it's such a weird. But like, that's it. Yeah, uh, well, Kiri, uh, we've talked about, you know, does she have a father? Like, who do you think her father is? Oh, boy, now that you laid out the... I mean, I don't care, like, I guess is, like, an answer. Like, I don't... Like, nothing that they did made me care um, who her father is, and, like, there's Not not the fact that she seems to have, like, these superpowers where she can connect to Iwa and, like, Well, the problem is, but now that you... Right, but again, now that you've sort of said the, like, immaculate Pandora conception thing... Maybe she's like the daughter of Pandora, right? Like there must be some weird. And I like now that you've said that, I can't get that out of my head. That that's almost definitely what it's going to be. 
<laughs> I think there's uh, there's another thing that I haven't seen mentioned a lot, but I, I feel like there's a lot of Force Awakens felt in this movie. Uh, Don't in that, you dare. Don't you dare. I like, uh, by the way, I love Force Awakens. I do so, too. Uh, I love I love the Force Awakens. Yeah, No, but like in, in the reveal of... Uh, uh, spider being the son uh, here like you have this character it's like uh, you don't know who her, her father is and she has like these superpowers and it's like there's this big question of like who is her father why does why is she so powerful um, I don't know I think there's some stuff you don't see that some comparison uh, maybe I don't <laughs> want to I don't know I uh. I don't want to. And by the way, I don't say it in a bad way. I honestly don't say it in a bad way at all. But um, I don't want those two movies lumped together at all in my head. I love The Force Awakens. Yeah. I don't want any. I, I just don't. I don't want to have to absorb that. I don't want to have to the next time I'm watching The Force Awakens uh, like to even think like, oh, yeah, Peter was right. Now I have to think about Avatar The Way of Water more. Oh, um, no. Don't want to do that. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Kiri has the seizure, and Norm claims that the seizure was caused by epilepsy and that the tree triggered hallucinations through electrical impulses in Kiri's brain, and it definitely doesn't have anything to do with like her actually like having this connection to Iwa. What, what do you think is actually going on here? I have no idea. Like, I, I, I really wish I had. Like, I just don't know, nor do I care. Like, this is where the movie really started losing me. Like, this, like, leading up to the finale, where, like, it, it before it got interesting, where I was, like, really having a hard time not checking out. Um, like, and again, there's all this stuff that happens that I just can't, couldn't bring myself to care about. And, I don't uh, see. I like it. Me. I feel like it's the natural evolution of what is going on with these movies like this movie is kind of like about kind of like a symbiosis of us in in the a plant or not us but like uh the navi in their planet of pandora and how they kind of like live in harmony with the creatures and stuff like that and i feel like the evolution of that is now uh you have navi that can actually communicate and actually control the environment through that relationship Sure. You don't see, you don't seem to be having any of this. Okay. I don't know. It's, it's not that you're wrong. I just, I sure. Like, what, what does that do for like, what does it, I, I get for me, it doesn't like, I see the point I see. I, okay. I'll try to be less grumpy. I see what you're saying. Um, I'm just realizing I'm realizing. Cause I think what happened is like, I left the theater, like writing the third act. So I was feeling like better about it because like there was the cool third act. Yeah. But like, as I'm going, going back over it now, I'm realizing how much of it I kind of didn't like. A oh, no. And other than like, <laughs> other than it was like very visually impressive, like those whales, some of the best CGI ever on film. I think we can safely say like those whales might, might be the best CGI creation ever. Like they're incredible, but, but yeah, like I'm realizing how much of the story just started like, you know, where I'm like slouching in my chair looking at my watch, which is the last thing you ever want to do in a movie. Oh, no. But yeah, I guess I can see your point that like if this is all some thinly veiled, like, you know, um, save the environment sort of type thing, then yeah, I guess I see your point. But, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. Okay, uh, let's talk about the thing that you the, did like the that, epic third act action sequence, which like went on for like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> What what is your some of your favorite parts of this? Like, I think one of my favorite parts is like when they were climbing through, 
uh, that ship and it's like turning over almost like Inception style. But they're like climbing up the cafeteria like table as it's like the ship is turning over. I don't know. It, it just felt so visually cool. It was very well choreographed for sure. Like, cause like you're, there's so much going on that you forget like, oh yeah, the ship's taking on water. It's going to like, you know, capsize. And then like, so that was pretty cool for me. It was no question. Like, and um, I don't want to show my hand here, but the other big thing I'm doing for us today is I'm writing our, uh, the best blockbuster movie scenes of the year is the end of year list for us, which will be published very shortly. And there may or may not be a part from this, uh, from, from this whole shenanigans here. Uh, but when Palacon, uh, has had enough and attacks the boat yes. when it looks like uh, when it looks like Jake's kids are about to get it. Oh man, so satisfying that that pissed off whale uh, doing doing its thing. Um, By the way, both uh, times yeah. I've seen this movie, the moment where the the arm moment where the arm gets a uh, yeah yeah the dude's arm just gets ripped off. The entire theater erupts and like collapses. Like I don't know, it's just like one of those. It's what I love about movies. Ryan, where like a bunch of strangers could be sitting in the dark in a room and have like the shared experience of like coming together. And it really, you really feel like that in like those kind of moments. It's like, you know, like the end game moment when, you know, everybody's coming out of the portals. You really feel like you're part, you're not just there, a single person in that room. You feel like you're part of that room. Nothing, nothing in my screening, nothing in this movie drew. There were some like light, like, oh, no. ooh, you know, like a point, like nothing, you know, like, cause like when I saw Endgame, when I saw No Way Home, when I saw, um, I'm trying to think of some other examples, uh, even the original Jurassic World, when I saw that back in the day, Force Awakens, of course, like there are moments where the audience is like on board together. There's nothing like that. There was no reaction to the arm? No, there was some little like, oh, like some <sighs> gentle, like, you know, but I think a lot of my audience was like, like me where they were like, you know, just like this is long. Uh, and let's like, I live in Austin. I live in a good movie town. I live in a respectful, like we are the home of the Alamo draft house. We have, we are a movie town here, you know? So it's not like I'm, you know, I'm not like in middle America where, you know, certain audiences don't react the same, but like I, you know, and by the way, that's not disparaging anything, but if you talk to anyone who sees movies in other places around the country, like they're just, you know, you can go to other places and it's not like seeing a movie in like LA or New York or, you know, it's just different, but, but yeah, so my, my, all I can, I can only speak to the one audience I was in and it was not, it was a, although I will say I did go see it at like Thursday at like three ten in the afternoon. So it was like a weird afternoon showing. Mm. Um, but yeah, still kind of a, kind of a, not, 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 not much of a reaction. Another thing I wanted to say is how cool were the, like the vehicles and stuff that the, um, what is the group that Quaritch is part of called? It's, um. God, I should know this. Oh, his weird little band of Avatar. Um, well, no, like uh, oh, people that are coming onto Pandora. Like, what? What? What are they called? They're uh, they have an. Uh, oh my god! Oh, I couldn't be bothered. A blank. I okay. Anyways, but like they have these like crab ships. You see the crab? Oh ship? yeah, I know what you're talking about. Those things are kind of cool. Yeah, I, I thought there was a lot of cool stuff. It, it's interesting here because in the first movie and this movie. James Cameron introduces all sorts of cool, like sci-fi, like ships and concepts and stuff like that. But like, we're actively rooting against, like he's actively making you be like, I, this is so cool, but I do not like these people. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, you're actively rooting against it being cool, even though it is cool. 
Mm, yeah, Cameron's pretty good at that. Like, you're not necessarily rooting for the aliens and aliens, but like, you're like, damn, they're cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like the, the, the <laughs> like the, the alien queen at the end of Aliens is maybe the best example of that ever. You know, or like the T1000, another great example of that. Like, yeah, Cameron's very good at that. Yeah. Uh, he's also very good at having like this, all these stories happening at once in different parts and intercutting and you never feel like, oh, there's like, at least for me, maybe, maybe for you it's different, but like, it's not like I was like when it, sometimes you'll, you'll have a movie and it intercuts to like one character and you're like, <sighs> like they needed to give this actor something to do during this part, you know, during this climactic battle. Like I felt like I was into all of it and it was all like complimenting each other as a sequence went on. Uh, do you have anything else to say about this epic third act action sequence? The only unfortunate part about it for me is that it does drag on so long that like it it's as great as it is. Even that starts to, for me, start to overstay its welcome a bit. Like <sighs> particularly at the very end when it feels like the, the return of the King extended edition thing where you have like five endings and you're like, come on already. Like let's, you know, so for me, there was that a little bit, but but I have a hard time nitpicking that finale because in a year where a, like almost every blockbuster I was excited for disappointed me on some level, um, and that and I'm not a cynical person. That never happens. I don't like feeling like this, and I'm not used to feeling like this, and it's it's like it's really hard for me. Like that was really cool, and that was the James Cameron I showed up for, and that was the James Cameron I was hoping for. So it was really cool to, to get that bit of it. And I just wish I hadn't been so exhausted leading up to that. But like, yeah, it was, it's, it's what Cameron does best. And, and it's nice to see more of that um, for sure. And I really do hope that his quotes about Avatar 4 being like that as good as it supposedly is, like if we can get to the fourth one, I hope he's right. Because if the fourth one is all as good as that third act, you know, it'd be great. It'd be amazing. Uh, let's talk about the, uh, the end of this movie and uh, speculate on the future. So Navi Korch survives. Spider actually saves his father. Um, why do you think he made that decision? Do you think it's because Natari, Natari almost killed him moments er, er, earlier? Or do you think he a bond was created while he was with him during the events of this film? I think he definitely there's there, it's twofold. I think in that moment where he saw Natiri like kill all those dudes like so ruthlessly, like I think she sort of I think he sort of finally saw the difference of like, oh, yeah, I am human and I am not a Navi like that. There is a difference here. And then I just do think that there was that element of. Like the confliction of like as a guy who has conflicted feelings about his father figures you know like i've i very much responded to that like yeah. so i do sort of understand the like because like for you know not to get like super real but like i have a very complicated relationship with my stepfather who's more or less like my father figure and like you know if that were my stepdad like as complicated as i feel like would i save him probably but like it would be you know and so i did i definitely felt the like the the weight of that and more of a personal way of like, I sort of understand why you would do that, even if it's not something you could rationally explain. Yeah. Uh, some people I saw the movie with were kind of like upset or like, they were just like, nah, why did he save? You know, they were just mad that he actually. Saved well, yeah, him. because then you don't have three more sequels if he dies, but like, yeah, but like, you know, it's, it's, you know, uh, what do you think is next for Navi, uh, Quaritch? And what do, what do you think? Um, it doesn't seem like Spider told the Sully family what he did. 
So it seems like that's going to come out at some point, right? That like he ended up saving him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like that's going to be the whole driving, like, like he said, cause like anything bad that happens now is going to be because of that. And like spider is going to be responsible. So yeah, like that's going to be a huge wedge for sure. So do you think in the end, do you think, do you think spider is going to end up leaving the Sully family and, and join his father? Do you think he's going to, you know, be the Kylo? I'm wondering, I, 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 I guess my big curiosity here is if Korich goes turncoat, like, like, you know, cause like at, being saved by, I wonder if it's enough for him to like turn and then it, there's like almost like a new villain introduced in three or four or something. You know what I mean? Like maybe oh. three is all, maybe three is about like the confliction that sort of starts to emerge in in Korich and spider and like, you know, whose side are you on? And then like Cameron keeps hyping up four. So maybe four is like, you know, Korich is now siding with the Navi. And so like, it's everyone against, you know, the new threat or whatever. Maybe that's what we're leading to, if I were to guess. Well, we always have then blockbusters, right? The bad guy that everybody loves, if they don't die, eventually becomes one of the good guys, like the T-Rex and the Jurassic movies or, do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, it's the thing that always happens. And we've, and we've established that the story is not been original up to this point. So it's not like Cameron's going to swing for the fences in that department. Um, Is Corey redeemable though? After all he's done? Uh, uh, reluctant alliance, you know, like reluctant, like, like not, you know, like because of this whole movie was all about like Jake protecting his family. So like, ultimately if you can make an alliance with the biggest threat to your family to, defeat the bigger threat to pandora wouldn't jake make wouldn't jake do that math wouldn't that math check out yeah yeah uh okay let's talk about sequel titles because at one point it was reported that the sequels to avatar were going to be titled avatar the way of water which ended up being true then followed by avatar the seed bearer then followed by avatar the tolkien writer uh which you know we know that Tolkien is those whale creatures. That's the whales. Oh, geez. And uh, and then the fourth one was going to be called. Wait, this two, three. Yeah, fourth one is going to be called Avatar: The Quest for Iwa. So what's uh, Iwa? Iwa's the um, the like the planet, the heart of the planet. The okay, so that's like the okay. All right. That's the thing that they talk to when they connect yeah, to the planet. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. Uh, okay. It's like the god. It's the, I don't know. It's okay. hard to describe. Okay, actually. so the fourth movie's Whale Rider? Uh, the third movie is uh, The Whale Rider, I guess. Wait, no, no. The th- no, no. Go through the titles one more time. The Seed the- Bearer is going to be the second movie. So I'm, I'm wondering what. No, no. Seed Bearer would be Avatar 3. Oh, then. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So sorry. then so then Whale Rider is number four. Four. And then, even, and then Heart of It All is number five. Yeah, sorry, I was getting those uh, mixed up. And by the way, Cameron was asked about that, and he said, quote, uh, those titles are among titles that are in consideration and no final decisions have been made yet. And that was, he was asked that a couple of years ago. And obviously, uh, the way of water ended up being true, and uh, we we know that the the space whales are in this movie. So uh, what, what do you think the seed bearer is? Who is the seed bearer? Uh, I wouldn't that wouldn't that potentially maybe be 
Sigourney Weaver's new character, maybe? Yeah, maybe because like she controls like all that stuff and like those like yeah, those so like she's things. got the seeds to like the future yeah. of Pandora. Oh, because she's like born of the planet or whatever or something like that. Yeah, the Tolkien writer makes sense because that's probably gonna be about. Would that be Jake Sully or do you think it would be someone else becomes the Tolkien writer? It's got to be the kid, right? The one that lived. Oh yeah, yeah. It's gonna be his kid. Yeah, because right. uh, he's like he he bonded with Palakon, and so like that it's obviously again whale rider like it's literally going to be like you know like a, a a 400 million dollar version of that documentary okay so if they make a fifth movie if it gets to five movie and we get the quest for iwa why are they searching for iwa i thought they were able to like connect to iwa like through like the, the you know the under underwater space tree and then there's the other maybe uh, the quest for iwa means like the quest like as in like to conquer it, right? Like maybe like the like like the battle for it or something is more like what they're getting at. Mm, interesting. Uh do you think we'll ever see the forest navi again? Do you think we're gonna go back there? Do you think that the rest of these films take place in the water? No, the water obviously world? they're building to like an all out like it's everything against everything. Like, you know, the, 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 it would be, you know, all of the Navi uniting against all of the powers of evil man. Yeah. You know, like that's so clearly you're gonna get there. I will say that um, as much as I loved the epic finale of this movie, it did feel like they're like, oh, we have more movies to go. So this is going to be a smaller battle that's out like on the small ship. Yep. Do you know what I mean? It didn't feel like uh, usually with a blockbuster movie, you have like, you know, the world at stake. Oh, yeah. No, because they're building to like the, the larger stakes. Like they seeded a lot of things that are, you know, that that are that are clearly going to develop in the next few. So yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's what's going on for sure. Uh, we'll, we'll end up with the big planet battle, you know, in four or five. Okay. We've got an hour. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say about avatar of the way of water before we leave? Please don't get mad at me for being a little grumpy about the blue people space movie. <laughs> with the space whales, with the space whales. And also the one, okay. Last thing I will say, uh, Avatar Space Whales better than Star Wars Space Whales. Wait, from from Star Wars Rebels? Yeah, I hate the Pergil more than like anything. <laughs> why, why do you hate? What the heck? <laughs> the conversation okay. for another time, this Peter. Is, yeah, this is, yeah, okay. Uh, you can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please subscribe to our newsletter. We'll put a link in the show notes. And please send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and not angry emails of uh, Ryan being grumpy to peter at SlashFilm.com. And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 